0: Hello and welcome to Pop-Up Submissions Live on this May Day. Happy Beltane to all the pagans watching. Our world is not particularly happy at the moment, but that's where writing can help out. At the very least, writers can afford us a little escape from lives that are stressful or even imperiled. And sometimes writers can actually change the world for the better. So here's to you, the writers of the world. We owe you everything. Children's writing is our theme today and acclaimed children's publisher, Bella Pearson, is our very special guest. And who do I spy on the other side of the virtual (laughs) room? None other than Litopian and writer herself. It's Ali Gardner. So let's see if any reviews have come in since we last looked. Oh, yes, there is one. It's from Daniel. Daniel this that's what Daniel says. I wanted to thank you for the pop-up submissions critique. It was really in-depth and was really useful in making me evaluate from the perspective of the reader. Yes, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, Leading me to make big changes in my manuscript. I'll look to resubmit at some point. Absolutely. Uh, We suggest about three months gap, really, so uh, to put a bit of, you know, water between the two submissions. Or perhaps joining Litopia to gain more knowledge, guidance in regards to the craft. Why not? Come on in. You'd be very welcome. Once again. Thank you for running this show. It really is helpful for writers like me who are new to the craft, especially when it's so difficult to examine your own work with fresh eyes. That's absolutely fantastic. That's exactly what we try to do. Thank you very much, Daniel. And remember, if you're watching on YouTube, please do leave your thoughts and comments in the chat. We'll grab them and bang them up on the screen. That was a link what what about that i don't know you have to wait a minute and find out what that means Book.latopia.com. what could we be talking about i'll tell you what we're talking about now we're talking about the first mission of the day that's called zeb apprentice zookeeper and the spider monkey heist It's Children's Fiction 6 to 9. It's from Lisa. This is Lisa's blurb. Will Zeb succeed in rescuing the spider monkeys after they are monkey-napped from his dad's zoo? He's certainly going to try. With the help of a one-eyed snake, a charging rhino, a camel with cabbage-induced wind. Ooh, nasty. A one-fanged spider and a penguin with projectile poo. (laughs) Inner child is is shortly already. Zeb has all the yucky stuff ch- young children suppress giggles about when grown-ups aren't listening, and's intended as first in a series of books about Zeb's antics in and around the zoo. Okay, let me tell you about Lisa. I'm deputy head of school for pupils with behavioural needs, and I'm based in Chigwell, Essex. Says Lisa, though I have written and told many stories for the children in my classes over my years as a teacher I've only recently begun looking into having my work published. I was recently offered a contract for a picture book. Very good. Uh, I'm looking for an agent to represent me with this manuscript and we can do absolutely no better at all than a, a fabulous reading from Robert.
1: Zeb. Apprentice Zookeeper and the Spider Monkey Heist by Lisa, read by Robert. Hi, I'm Zeb, short for Zebrastian. I know, it's a pretty odd name. Dad named me after a zebra he nursed back to health from a terrible disease when he was young. He loved that animal. Dad says he wanted to call me just plain zebra, but Mum told me that he was jolly well taking things too far and that people would take the mickey out of me all my life. So they compromised and called me Zebrastian. Because when you say it really quickly, it sounds pretty much the same as Sebastian, which is a real, actual boy's name. Dad calls me his apprentice zookeeper and says, I'm a chimp off the old keeper's block, because I always help him out at the zoo. I love animals even more than I love double dip Belgium chocolate, and that is a lot. Whenever I'm not in school, I'm in with the animals. People always ask me what is my favourite, and I say all of them. Well, maybe except the skunks. I do quite like them, but they stink more than my dad's bottom, which is pretty smelly at the best of times. Here's my dad. He's called Peter. He usually looks like this, pretty grubby and very scruffy. But he says, No mind, son. The monkeys don't give a monkey what I look like. Ha 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 He thinks he's funny like that, always laughing at his own bad jokes. I think if he wasn't a zookeeper, he'd want to be a comedian. So it's lucky he's so good at looking after the animals as he is definitely not cut out for life on stage. Thankfully, it's mostly the animals who have to put up with his daft jokes. You can often see him chuckling to himself, up to his knees in elephant dung, or laying on his tummy, flapping with the penguins, trying out his latest funny quip. Am I making him sound dreadful? Actually, he's quite cool. Better than most parents, I reckon not strict or moany like some. He's pretty easy going, and gives me the freedom to do what I want most of the time. It's just me and him living here at the zoo. Mum hasn't been around since I was six. Oh, and my Aunt Maggie is about most days. She lives close by and takes me to school every day. Here she is. She is my dad's sister, but she is nothing like him, I mean nothing, not a bit. She is always immaculately dressed, and she is properly strict. She also screams at the sight of a spider and holds her nose at the slightest whiff of kangaroo poo, which is just about the least offensive poo you can get in a zoo, whenever she visits. She drives straight to our house with her windows shut tight. Good thing is, she always brings cake. She loves baking, and Dad says, you can tell. We live in a wooden cabin behind the flamingo lake, overlooking the monkey enclosure and next to the hippo house. We have pretty much every animal you can think of at the zoo. Come, take a look around. Crazy things happen to me all the time here at the zoo. You'll soon see what I mean. Chapter 1. Suramate. Dad said I could design the enclosure for the new spider monkeys we were getting at the zoo. I wanted to build it myself too, but he said it wouldn't pass planning control if he told them it was being built by his nearly nine-year-old son so we got some local builders in instead. I have to admit, I was pretty pleased with the result. The climbing frame was taller than our house, the tyre swing was brilliant fun, and the rope bridge was wobblier than Aunt Maggie's bottom. I named it Monkey Junction, and painted a sign to go over the door out of an old wooden crate I found round the back of the Tiger Tower den. It had a few reddish stains on it, and smelt a bit whiffy. By the way, the flies kept congregating on the red blotty bits. I suspected it had been used to ferry the raw meat Dad fed the tigers, but it scrubbed up well.
0: Okay, sorry about the background jumping out for a bit of that, but we, you saw the manuscript and you heard the reading. That's the important thing. And let's go to the genius room and see what they thought. Um... Johnny, uh, I, I kind of agree with Johnny's comment. There, some of the language a little too far above the target age. I was wondering about that. James said, "Robert, a great reader, absolutely, very much so." Eva's losing attention because there's no story. Hmm. And i was expecting more from the title and blurb. I was quite excited by it actually. Yes, the writing's a bit pandery. I what that means. The blurb and title were much more fun. And Annie says, "Voice is fun and light, but story needs to kick in." Yeah, it hasn't really kicked in. yet, has it? i um, curious to know what you thought bella
2: uh, yeah i completely agree i mean i like i like the writing i like the tone of it um uh, sometimes and I, I kind of know what that person meant with pandering it sort of felt a little bit like it was pandering to the young reader um but i, I did like the openness of it but it was just too long i mean it would you just need to get going uh, with actual yes. scenes there was too much telling not enough show which i think is um it can work really well when you introduce things like that and then you can get a sense of the boy uh, and his voice and i think that was really nice that he came across yeah. but it just took too long and uh, yeah. i wanted to get on with actually seeing the story happen start
0: yeah. going. yeah you haven't got a captive uh, audience here lisa you know in school maybe you, know, you, you mm. sit them down and they you know you've got their attention straight away but with a book we're fighting all the time we're fighting against things like youtube for example uh, what did you think there
3: uh, I entirely agree. I mean, I think the setup in theory is great. You know, the heist at a, a zoo and, you know, this this zookeeper. And I love the chatty tone. You know, that that drew me in. I thought that was great. But to, to spend the entire 700 words literally with nothing at all happening, no action. I mean, we knew yeah. quite a lot about the father and a bit about the aunt. Um, and an awful lot of, of, you know, I know kids like poo and, and stinky stuff <laughs> and all that stuff. You know, Not we just kids. Yeah. See- <laughs> Um, and, but they, the whole of the humour seemed to be based around there. And, and the problem about humour, I mean, humour does need to be, it needs to be clever, it needs to be snappy. And it really wasn't. It was actually quite laboured in an awful yeah. lot of stuff that was supposed to be funny. Yeah. And at times we were told it was supposed to be funny. And again, that's it's almost slightly insulting. Um, and a few bits I just wondered were really suitable for the age group. I mean, is, does a six to nine year old really go with the word heist? And then a mm. chapter called Suramate, would, would that actually mean anything to them? No. So, I mean, I do wonder it would about... would need a lot of
0: explaining, you know, really, wouldn't it, that I'd rather not do, actually. Yeah. You know, if I'm reading in um, general. And
3: it, also, it's a nine-year-old who's the main character. And for a story for a six- to nine-year-old, I think the main character should be slightly older. Bella, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, um,
0: yeah. Yeah. So, it's a, um, yeah, I mean, I often want to read older, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. But, so, but, Bella... Um, are you okay on the oh. you too much? <laughs> vote? I still too voting You're ahead of
2: me. Oh.
3: Hang on a second. Yeah, so, I have on it. You're okay. This
2: time
0: I've done it. Done it. You've correct. done it. You've done it. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And that's not showing up either. Let's see how the numbers are looking so far. Um, no one's okay. voted at all. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Let's see if I can. Ooh, I don't know if we've got any. I did put mine here. through.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, I know you did. I'm not accusing you of anything. <laughs> Let's see if that worked. I think, yeah, look, the numbers are coming in thick and fast now. So the technology needs a bit of a kick up the bank holiday. You've got a 57 so far, Lisa. That's not bad at all. Um, I, My main concern, I suppose, really was, I, I thought too, that it's a little bit old, really. But... Um, it's all right, it's all right. to 7 is not a bad score, to to start with. Hopefully you found some of those comments useful. I think we should go straight on to the next submission. Yeah, now we've got the uh, technical uh, glitches ironed out, I think. Or is that is that tempting fate? Should I not say that? This is Holly and the Secret Agents. It's children's chapter book, Spy... And it's from Gemma. And this is Gemma's blurb. Holly's life is far from normal. And it's about to get even more extraordinary when her parents reveal that they're secret agents for none other than the Queen. (laughs) But there's more. The Queen has personally asked Holly to ask to join her parents on their next mission. The Queen's personal diary has been stolen. Oh, sounds like Sherlock Holmes. And it's up to Holly to find it. The only problem is that she has to befriend the biggest bully in school to track down the missing item. That sounds lovely, retro, doesn't it? Doesn't it? I love it. Uh, let's find out about Jammer. Normally a writer of family dramas, says Jammer. I wrote this story for a writing competition, getting getting carried away, carried away by the theme and Holly, and it's been a whirlwind of an adventure. I can see Holly becoming a series and have become on a sequel working title: Holly and the Mysteries of Banana Island. Oh, i think holly has the confidence this is all about holly it's not about you <laughs> come on more about you uh, has the confidence and ambition to carry many youngsters on an exciting adventure and i hope you think so too i have read my story to groups of children in the seven to nine age bracket and the positive responses have filled me with the determination and drive to get my book published i've already had interest from a small australian publisher and i'm looking for an agent to make holly as widely received as possible understand all about that. We'd like to know a little bit more about you, but what you're going to like a lot is this reading from Emily.
4: Holly and the Secret Agents by Gemma, read by Emily. Chapter one. My life is far from ordinary. Just take today, for example. I've no idea who'll be waiting for me at the school gates or where I'll be taken. It's always a wild adventure in my family. Bye Holly, I'll see you tomorrow, Lyra says, squeezing me into a hug, my balloons getting tangled around us. John the bully gives me a menacing look as he pops one of my balloons as he walks past. I frown, ignoring him as we giggle, escaping through the web of balloons and strings as I watch my best friend skip off in the direction of her smiling, waiting mother. I look around to see who's waiting for me, catching the bully's eye as he shoots me another angry look as he gets into his parents' blacked out van. I briskly turn around, pretending not to have noticed him. My shoulders sink as my eyes meet Molly's. Don't get me wrong, I like Molly. She's kind, fun, kind of kooky, with her fluorescent clothes. But today of all days, I wish my parents could have picked me up. Where to? I sigh when I meet her. She pulls my heavy bag off my shoulder and takes the gift bag out of my weighed-down hands and smiles at my balloons. Someone's popular holly bobs? Molly winks at me as I finally give in to a smile. "'We've got a surprise for you.' "'A surprise! I love surprises!' I let Molly lead me to the black car waiting at the curb. Mum and Dad had gone this morning, way before I'd waken up as usual, so I hadn't had my gifts yet. My mind races through the list of presents I'd asked for. A new skateboard, a zookeeper's experience with monkeys, or concert tickets to boys' Hood. As we drive along Tornington High Street, Molly absently adjusts my hair tightening the loose ends back into my signature-style plaited double buns. Molly had a thing for Star Wars and did my hair Princess Leia-style every morning. I didn't object. She was kind of cool. Not that I'd been allowed to watch the whole thing, but when I'd sneaked a few glances at the TV when Molly had thought I'd been doing my homework and she was cooking my dinner with the TV on. The car sped out of town and shot past her house at the edge of the woods and onto the main motorway leading to the city. "'Where are we going?' I asked, confused. You'll see, Molly replied with that same twinkle in her eye. What did you get? Molly asked, signalling to my gift bags. As I reeled off the enormous list of presents I'd received, my eyes kept darting out of the car windows as I searched for clues of where I was being taken. Molly did her best to keep me busy, but I wasn't stupid. I knew she was asking question after question to keep me from asking the one question that she obviously wasn't going to answer. Soon the car turned off and onto a dirt track. Suddenly, We were in the middle of nowhere driving into an empty field. In the distance I could make out an abandoned barn which is where the car stopped and my door swung open. A tall man with ridiculous oversized yellow glasses covering his two wide eyes held out his hand. His skin looked moist, almost rubbery like a frog's as I frowned at his welcoming hand. I looked at Molly who nodded so I got out refusing to take his grubby hand as if I would need help from him. I followed him, feigning confidence, into the barn. There in the centre of the barn stood my parents, dressed totally in black, with strange utility belts around their waists. We've got something to tell you. You'd better sit down, Mum said, as my stomach did a somersault.
0: Alright, so let's catch up with the genius room straight away. And... um and he said something that i instantly thought to spike spy kids for 2020 is nice everyone's going to be thinking that aren't they uh james likes the blurb eva does uh johnny says another fun blurb yeah and uh, matt says blurb and title are incredibly charming they are there's a sweetness to it nice opening says johnny um nicely fluid says hannah johnny says i think this is smooth and accomplished nice and uh, matt says and i was w- wondering this myself Actually, it uh, may be a bit down to Emily's reading, but I like the voice. I like the voices a lot, especially when Emily said "holly bobs." I like that. What did you think, Ally?
3: Um, I, I agree. I mean, again, I like the setup very much, um, the, the suddenly finding your parents, are secret agents and um, the chatty tone, etc. Um, it did need an awful lot of editing, though, it was um, really quite weighty in parts. It, it felt sort of heavy in parts as well. The, there were certainly lovely touches. I mean, Holly Bob's, I think, made it very sort of um, in touch, basically, with, with that sort of age group. Uh awful lot of telling. Um, yeah. An awful lot yeah. of repetition. I mean, at one point we had the sort of surprise in about eight, three times in about eight words. It was, mm. you know, and it, it just didn't it didn't sit well. Um, and uh, I think there could have been a few light touches which just would sort have of brought an awful lot of stuff to life. When when it was done quite heavily, mm. I agree about the long sentences. Again, when the, there was action, it should have been short, snappy sentences. And <laughs> it wasn't. It sort of wound on a bit. Um, And also, I didn't have any empathy with the main character. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know who Molly was. I had no idea. She could have been a grandma dressed in fluorescent stuff, which would have been fun. You know, but she could have been anybody. Um, Mm. And I certainly didn't have any idea who Holly was. Also, Holly and Molly you know
0: a bit close (laughs) (laughs) a bit close Um, there
3: (laughs) so so I think you know yes as a concept I think it's really good but I think it needs quite a lot of
0: tidying up yeah I I felt the same um, about both both our submissions so far I think um, that's kind of a general feeling too actually good concepts execution a little bit to be desired Uh, James has just said that uh, has potential needs editing and things may be a bit long for five to eights. James says, intriguing story. Lots of adjectives, says Vicky and Emily, who's our narrator. And so we always want to hear what the narrators think because they. They get inside the manuscript. They get inside the words. Emily said I thought this had great potential, but reading aloud would have helped as some of the sentences were far too long. That's the author. That's that's you, Gemma. Read it aloud, please. Maybe you have done actually. Um sounds like you have, but hmm. Emily's saying reading aloud would have helped as some of the sentences were far too long. I wasn't a fan of the creepy tall man with moist hands at the then shudder at the end shudder. Yes. Quite. Yes, I know what you mean. What did you think, Bella?
2: Yeah, I mean, I agreed with everything Ali said, and um, I also I, um, I thought there needed to be a bit more context actually, because it felt it did feel a bit old for me in terms yeah. of the eight named at, and as you said, we didn't really get to know who the characters were, but a bit more context around it, a bit more, a, a few more specifics, I suppose. Don't say that the bully is a bully, he, he, he just has to do things that make him look like a bully, so it's things like that, you you just got to be really um, show, not tell. Yeah. Um, I could have done a bit more of the first one, actually, interestingly, a bit more of some sort of sense of, we obviously got that their parent, her parents were away, but I could, had no sense of who, who was going to be picking her up as um, Ali said, what age this person was. Yeah, yeah it, it was old, I suppose, at the end of the day. But it was very nicely told as well. Um, there were some lovely moments. Um, yeah. So, yeah.
0: Good. All right. right. Let's. Um, I think that's the general consensus, actually, on just about everyone. So, Gemma, I recommend you to... You've got 58 there. Not bad at all. I recommend you to go out to the genius room in particular just freeze frame it and read everything they've said there it's the laboratory of of uh, writing of, of writing and reading really so just freeze frame it read everything they say think about it and um you're very welcome to resubmit if you want to and i'll say about two or three months time now i want to have a word or two with bella because there's something about bella right and this is this is the thing about bella so here we go. Bella has been in publishing, oof oh, for donkey's years, really. And wow. she's got a nose. Bella is well known to be a talent spotter. She finds the big ones. She's got, she's got an instinct for these. Look at that boy in the striped pyjamas before I die, Out of being normal. Bella has won the Brantford Bose Award m- once and been shortlisted five times. I want to know your secret. How would you do it?
2: <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. I just get lucky. I think I get to read these incredible authors. And, um, when you get that feeling, you know that there's someone really special in front of you. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's luck.
0: All I right. Think. So, you... You look at stuff that people send you, maybe people like me, agents, maybe you see stuff directly from, from writers and, and whatever else uh, means people use to, to send you manuscripts. And you look at manuscripts, you look at manuscripts, and then something, what, what is that little thing that goes off in your head to make you, make you think, that's, that's, that's the one I want?
2: It's such a difficult, it's such a good question. And it's such a difficult one to answer because I don't know what it is before I see it. And so there's no, the next such and such. I'm not looking for the next Harry Potter or the next, the you have know, to be normal. I, it's looking for something that has, when someone has their own voice and that you know that they are playing with words in a way that they know is going to affect you. Um, that is when, and it's a rare thing where mm. they can change you, the way you're feeling when you're reading it. That's when mm. I really sit up when my feelings are changed my emotions oh, yeah. if they're that change that's then, very that's interesting that's yeah. a good then that's a good shutdowns. insight
0: that's a really good insight so is it more difficult commissioning books for children and ya than it is for adults and the reason i ask that is that for adults you can sort of represent the demographic yourself you might be 35 55 year old male female whatever and you might just have to say yeah i like that i buy that fine and you know there's enough people out there in that demographic to make it a hit but you're not in in the demographic anymore
4: (laughs) unless i don't think
0: (laughs) so does that make it more does that make it more difficult it
2: does but i do remember vividly what really made Um, What made me love reading when I was growing up. And I think I just, I think I've still got a part of my brain that is still between five and 18 um, and that really responds to certain things. But you're right. I mean, if we could get children to actually, you know, acquire their own books, it would be an interesting.
0: Wouldn't uh, that yes?
2: A, <laughs> right, wouldn't Pop up submissions junior,
0: right? Well, <laughs> that is an idea. All right, so I I want to know what's tickling your fancy at the moment, and I've got a good idea. Um, you've got another case says you've got another title in running for the um, yeah. So uh, this is something new for us. Let me just let me just say before. Uh, bella says what the hell is that uh you got you got a shortcut there that's our book of the week okay all you have to do is type book.latapia.com that will take you to uh bella's pick and this is one time by sharon creech tell us about it please
2: so this is a book by sharon creech who is has been writing for years I think you may all know her already she's the most incredible writer she won the carnegie about 15 20 years ago mm. and this is her latest. It's about an inspirational teacher, and it's about the the inspirational teacher teaching her class about creativity and uh, reading and giving them a love of words and language. And um, the girl, who's the main character, she's a really creative, sort of um, over-imaginative child. Well, not over-imaginative, you can't be over-imaginative. Yes, it's just a wonderful, wonderful story for middle-grade readers, and she has such a beautiful voice for children, uh, Sharon does. So if you want to learn, if you want to read a, a real... Uh,
0: an adult who has this incredible ability to get into a child's mind uh, Uh there we go yeah and that's coming straight from bella so that's gotta that's gotta mean quite a lot book.lutopia.com is the link that you want to go to within the next few days before the next pop-up submissions because that's going to change that's going to change next week so it's it's a limited time what's the other title up here tsunami girl tell us about that
2: Oh, that one, is um, it's been shortlisted for the Carnegie Medal, and it's a young adult book about uh, the tsunami in 2011, and yes. it is a book in prose and manga. So it's an interesting combination of two different storytelling ways, which uh, it results in this incredible book about, sort of, um, about recovery from trauma.
0: I love that. I love that. And you're quite hot on that, aren't you? Sort of always um, oh, mixed medium publishing. You've done, yes. you've done stuff like that before. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, one of the most creative publishers that I've ever come across. Bella, always, always delight to have you on the show. Let's have a look at submission number three. And that's submission number two. Here we go. Submission number three. Pause of the past. Pause of the past. 1066. We've got a, a, a colon. Hmm. And first don't get too many colons. Uh, historical Fiction Children's YA, it's from Darius, and this is Darius's blurb. January 1066, the Badger King is dying, and the future of England hangs in the balance. With no cubs to succeed him, King Edward names Harold the Fox of Wessex <laughs> as his heir but there's another who seeks the crown the lynx of normandy is always prowling as duke william prepares to invade harold's own exiled brother joins forces with the mighty polar bear king hardrada to bring a viking army to england's shores with two enemies closing in can harold defend the kingdom he never asked for okay i get it it's another high concept submission isn't it um my name's darius morgan i'm 25 years old it's- very young in writing terms, actually, Darius. And a creative writing graduate from Bath Spa. Oh, dear old Bathspa, Bath Spa University. After my degree, I spent time traveling and teaching English in Nepal and Spain, but COVID forced me to return home to England. During lockdown, I was able to use time to begin writing again. Good, well done. A lot of people couldn't, actually but uh, well done, you did. This combined with a newly discovered passion for reading history led me to write Pause of the Past, 1066. I've drawn a lot of inspiration from my favourite series as a child, Brian Jacques, yes, Brian Jacques Redwall. I believe there's a gap in the market for children's historical fiction. We'll find out in a minute. And I hope to have made the history of 1066 more exciting and accessible for younger readers. The target age range for my novel is 11 to 14. And you know what? We've come up trumps because it's another reading from Emily.
4: Pause of the Past 1066 by Darius Read by Emily Winter Death at Westminster A blizzard was raging over the Westminster grounds. The fox battled through the drifting snow, his red cloak choking him as icy winds attempted to rip it from his neck. He'd been gone too long. The sun had slunk into hiding in his absence and the dark clouds smeared the moon's efforts to guide him back. He only realised how far off the path he'd strayed when the doors to the royal palace opened in the distance, spilling firelight into the night. A great shadow was thrown over the courtyard, though the fox could not see the creature that cast it. Who goes there? the fox called as he approached, squinting through the snowstorm. Lord Harold, sir? squeaked a small voice some way below him. The fox looked down and focused on a quivering mouse. Mabel? Harold asked. What are you doing out here? It's King Edward, sir, said Mabel. The diminutive mousemaid was dressed in her white nurse's apron and began rubbing her tiny paws together to quell her shivering. He's awake. Awake? Harold said breathlessly, rushing over to her side. She took a few paw steps back and looked up at him nervously, her large black eyes shimmering in the firelight. He knelt lower towards her and gave her an encouraging smile. Go on, Mabel. You said many strange things, sir, but when his mind was clear, he asked for you. Harold grappled his silver, windswept whiskers, curling either end into a smile, a fashion he had maintained since they had first sprouted. I see. Then lead me to him right away. Mabel nodded profusely and scampered into the warmth of the palace on all fours. Ordinarily, Harold might have scolded the mouse for her lack of decorum as he strode after her on his two-back paws, as was proper. Even Harold, however, could ignore it on this occasion. The king was awake, and the future of England lay in the balance. Harold marched after the mouse, taking care not to step on her trailing tail as he went. Her bare claws scratched and slid on the stone floor as she soon raced ahead. The noise of Harold's steady padding followed. You were gone a long time, sir. I looked everywhere for you. "'Mabel said. "'I was praying,' Harold frowned, "'sensing a hint of accusation. "'Praying for the king.' "'Praying for a resolution,' "'the fox continued silently. "'Had God finally answered him?' "'The fox had visited "'Edward's Cathedral every day for weeks, "'though he found it offered little solace. "'It had become a symbol of doom. "'The badger king had spent twenty years overseeing its construction, "'but had now grown too sick to see it. "'Bound to his bedchamber in the palace.' He fought the days from which the mice said he may never wake. Edward had no cubs of his own. If he were to die, who would lead the kingdom after him? The crown had many claimants, too many. The fox believed there would be claws out and blood spilled before this was over. Please hurry, sir, called Mabel from the depths of the shadows ahead. Dim torches that adorned the walls were on their last embers. Their flames had to be at full stretch to light the palace's high ceilings. Yes, Mabel, replied Harold. He didn't make a habit of being ordered around by mice but the worry in her voice was genuine and unsettling. Do you think the king will live? Mabel didn't answer. Harold yanked his whiskers again and picked up the pace. In the great hall two spitting fires were lit on either side their plumes of smoke staining the walls black. Even at such a late hour the palace was alive with bustling creatures. The king's table remained empty but swathes of creatures were still feasting. Harold and Mabel were watched with poorly disguised interest as they came through. What was the high-ranking fox, the Earl of Wessex, doing it one of the king's personal mousemaids? Silence befell the hall as all eyes turned to them. One squirrel stared, open-mouthed, a pawful of food suspended in mid-air.
0: So this is... uh Interesting concept that needs quite a lot of thought, actually. I think. Um, very sort of uh, strong concept um, proposals, ideas in today. Um, but I think it's fair to say we've had issues over the execution on both of them so far. I wonder if the same is going to be true on this one. Let's have a look at the junior's room first. Um, really strong burbs tonight, says Matt. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, and Lex has just found out he's related to the Norman invaders. I don't know how. <laughs> Uh, Anna likes the writing style. Emily, of course, a our narrator of the second one as well, um, says, really enjoyed it. No, my children would love it, especially the history and animal aspect. I thought there was great sense of character and beautifully written. Starts out nice, says James. Poor steps, nicely done, good tone. Pretty good reaction so far, actually, in the... Uh, in the genius room johnny it's, it's nice is is it too young for the target group i really don't get the parameters so this post could be the babblings of a fool <laughs> i don't think so actually johnny take it from me um and he says writing's good i'm not sure if there's enough balance between animals and history feels like people with a few words thrown in ah and i see bella nodding there yeah i think that's very perceptive actually annie yeah um, and Eva says it's it the a chance to catch up on what happened in 1066. Right. Don't get the news there very regularly, do you, Eva? Um, what else can I pick on? Obviously, if you're, if you're uh, Darius, just freeze it and read everything people are saying. Can I just say, please, genii, if, if you've got more than one or, one or two short sentences, then just make it two posts, because it's so much easier to read, actually. Um, Hannah would read on, I'd like the animals to move like animals rather than four paws being frowned on yeah that's interesting and i'm just wondering really if this is not i mean it's interesting it's interesting Bella, but i'm just wondering if it's kind of a one joke book
2: yes i mean actually i think the writing was
3: really fabulous Mm. um
2: and I really could sense, uh, I could really feel where I was. Um, I think sometimes it could have been cut back a bit. But the actual setting and the fact of, I mean, I rather loved. I could really picture it all in my mind. But at the same time, I was, why are they animals?
5: Yeah. Doing
2: these things. I mean, it could have been people. I mean, I actually quite loved the, sort of imagining the squirrels or the bear open mouths. I thought it was all really nicely done. But, I couldn't work out what the point of it was, I That's
0: exactly what I wrote, down. I just wrote, why Why are they animals, yeah. exactly? I mean, it's going for the horrible histories market, isn't it? And, you know, heaven knows, mm. that so much money has been made out of that. I mean, do you see any commercial potential here, or do you think it's just um, a nice idea, but well, it's just going to fall
2: short it's, of the It toilet. is a nice idea. And if there was another slant on it that hmm. wasn't really historical about English history, then I think it... it there could be something there, but
0: yeah,
2: um, as we said this what is the point, so therefore i i yeah, I'm not sure that i would i would say it was something to um that I would take on,
0: yeah, fair enough, but, so, I, mean, so
2: I did like that so really. You know.
0: Yes, good. Well, that, coming from you, that's that's quite something. Darius, you should be pleased mm-hmm. with that. Um, the outcome is known, Ali, isn't it? Because we, we know <laughs> pretty much how 1066 worked out. Is that is that an issue for you or, or would you read uh, to the all. end to see what happens?
3: <laughs> I think when I was a child, and probably didn't know the outcome in 1066, then I probably would have kept going. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's confident writing. Immediately, we had a sense of, of place. We had a sense of, of menace. Uh, I thought the dialogue actually gave a good um, interaction between the two main characters. You had, you know, you had a, a reasonably clear idea of who they were and, you know, where they were coming from. So I liked all that. Um, I also like the fact that it would appeal to both parents and kids. If you write it well, yeah. the kids will love it, and, and the parents will love the fact that there is some history slotted in there. I mean, of course, it's then difficult to, to write it historically accurately if you've <laughs> got your yeah. animals
0: doing you, this. You're constrained, aren't you? You're constrained, so, yeah. actually. I think that's the issue.
3: I'm, I think with animals. I mean, kids do love animals, and I think they can be a very good vehicle for humour. In fact, that's what it was, you know, the, the mouse maid. You know and no, I like, like that, that. Was, yes. Was where the humour came from, you know. So I think it did actually give you an opportunity to do that. Um, there was quite a bit of telling. There was a bit of head-hopping, and there were a lot of clichés. You know, we had a raging blizzard, and we had him battling through snow. Stuff like that's just untidy. You know, it just can be... It's sorted out relatively easily yeah um, so that you don't get not quite stopped by it but think yeah uh, so I, I think that needs to be uh, and, and things like uh, the mouse spoken i think he looked down at it and you think well of course he's going to look down at it it's a mouse you know <laughs> so you know there was there were bits which were just unnecessary to be stuck in there so uh, a little bit of a little bit of pruning would be fantastic would be that's week,
0: that's so. that's great thank you thank you so much i well i'm just uh, no one's actually mentioned the title let me just like uh, you ask you about the title when i I saw that title i was expecting dogs i'm just wondering if it's a bit too you know uh species specific pause of the past because it's actually about all sorts of animals isn't
3: mm. it i thought the title told us very little i i, yeah. I would have known nothing about you know, and it's not even a pun suppose, is it really it is his well yeah exactly um, hmm. So, it, yes, it says it is history, but apart from yeah. that, you know, it just really tells us nothing. Yeah, but so basically,
0: we, we need, you know, there's room for another horrible history, I'm sure, and there's certainly room for a, mm-hmm. for a new generation red wall. So we don't want to discourage you too much, Darius. Have you pressed your voting button, Ali? <gasps> Disaster. Disaster. <laughs> um, I'm not the only one picking things it? up today. Yeah. Good, good let's see uh okay oh, sit tight darius don't worry it's a 45 yeah, she'll so be far. There. She'll
3: get there. yeah
0: yeah she'll get there let's look at the yeah
3: eventually
0: genius room there we are. um i've s- just spoiled the 1060 things 1066 thing for johnny sorry about that i should have uh, flagged that up spoilers oh look darius don't be unhappy you've just shot into the lead but uh we have two more submissions should we have a look at submission number four Kingdom of the Sea. Kingdoms of the Sea. It's fantasy. It's from T.E. Hayes. Kingdoms of the Sea is a story of a boy's search for his missing father in a water-filled world. Set apart from our own. It opens on Dav's pastoral life with his grandparents in the highlands of New Sparta. But within 1,500 words, that world is changed when the veil... A towering wall of storm cloud inhabited by malevolent deities and their vassals comes crashing to shore while Dav's father is at sea. Dav sets out to find him. Hmm. Has that your imagination peaking? I think, yeah, it's got mine, definitely. Let me tell you about um, T.E. Um, I was born in Dallas, grew up on the Red River. Went to Cambridge, have a PhD in intellectual property law live on galveston island and work as a chemist for the company i founded i've written two law books published by sweden maxwell london w green edinburgh and a forest worth of peer-reviewed journal articles all right well hopefully hopefully you're planting a few trees down there in galveston and uh, we can do something rather special for you which is a reading by hannah
6: Kingdoms of the Sea by T.E. Hayes, read by Hannah. Chapter 1, The Boy The bright white light blinded the brown-haired boy of twelve as he walked atop the narrow chalk ridge high above the dark blue sea. He walked with his eyes closed, the westering sun on his face, and saw in his mind each step to take steps he had taken most days when his father was fishing. On Sunday afternoons, and sometimes under lowering cloud, fog, or rain, he walked to the eastern cliffs, looked out to sea, and watched for the fishing boat's return, for his father's return. Today he had seen boats, all sails full and running westward before a stiff breeze, but not his father's boat. His home was his grandparents' one-room stone cottage, roofed with thatch, windowed with thin sheets of stretched vellum, and sighted with a central ridge sloped down to make a saddle with the sea to the north and south, and enough green pasture in between for his grandparents' sheep. After his mother died, all he had were his grandparents and the sheepdog when his father was away. He was walking home now. Sixty-seven more steps, and he would be home. A tall, tin old man stooped in the doorway. He's a-comin', the old man said to the old woman in the cottage. She gave a start. Yes, yes, she said to herself. Her movements quickened. Pots, pans, bowls, dishes, knives and spoons moved from cupboard to table. Yes, yes, she said. Bread from oven, soup from kettle, water from well. Feeding the boy was her greatest pleasure, it was like growing some profound plants that anchored her to the earth. The stronger the boy became, the more assuredly she was connected to him and through him to all the world, that of both the living and the dead. She loved the boy twice over, once because he was her grandson, and again because he was her daughter's son. Ah, he's here, the old man announced with a smile. He too loved the boy, but singularly, through love and joy undivided. He loved the boy as Dav alone, with a fierceness that surprised and delighted him, a shepherd of seventy gentle years. Did you see him? the old man asked, standing aside to let Dav through the narrow entrance. Not today, Grandpa. Most of the boats are back, but I didn't see Dad's, or that yellow boat from the pool. Hmm the old man muttered thoughtfully, but he said no more, casting a last look at the sky before going in. The sun had risen red over thick cloud that morning, and the sheep had been restless all day, bleating and bunching together close to the cottage. The time after supper was Dav's favourite part of the day, when all the table things and the kitchen things were washed and put away. Joss would sit beside the oven in the kitchen corner of the cottage and read from the old book. This evening started like many before it. Hand me down my glass, Davy boy, Joss said. And Dav ran to the mantel over the fireplace where they kept the glass lens Joe used to see the words in the old book. The writing was small, papyrus was expensive, but Joe's glass made the words look large enough to read. Taking the glass from Dave, Joss said, No, mate, you can, can, you can correct me if I get it wrong. He said that every night. And Dave always found it funny that his grandfather, who knew so much about the sea, the sky, grass, stone, people, dogs and sheep, expected to be corrected by his grandmother. She had been a town girl when she was young. Town children went to school, learnt to read. And learnt of the world by reading about it. The hill people, Joss was one, did not have a school, and they learned of the world by living in it. After they married, May taught Joss to read. Oh, I, Joss said, finding his place in the book. I like this part where Jobby argues with the knobs what is supposed to be helping him.
1: Right,
0: so again, lots to get your teeth into here. Let's see what the genus room is saying. Um First of all, Hannah, who was our wonderful narrator there. And you got some nice compliments on it too, Hannah. Um, Hannah says, the writing was good, apart from point of view jumps. That didn't bother me too much, but it did bother people in, in, the, in the junior room. Definitely. Uh, with glimmers of excellent storytelling, but it felt like window dressing. Information needed by the author, most not needed by the reader. That's interesting. And he says, not sure if this is the right place to start. Vagabond feeling told now. Uh, rather than shown, despite the nice praise, I think that praise. I think the the product, you know lines there. Were, I, I think were really great. Actually, really really enjoyed some of that writing. Um, point of view changes. Annie um, love that. Here's, here's here's a little example. Vicky picks on sixty. she says, love that sixty-seven steps and he'd be home. Um, and Eva says nothing much going on. Bit too intellectual. Little passion. And Lex final comment at the top there. Blurb really hooked me. Way too much dressing. People have said that before. Cut this word count by half and it can still work. Hmm. All right. Now let's ask one of the most amazing children's publisher in the universe, known and unknown. Bella, what did you think?
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I I quite liked it. I, I felt I was unsure of who the reader would uh, be. Yeah. it felt like it was almost an adult book actually. It felt yeah. like um we were slipping into the adult's head uh, rather than being in the boy's head and um, seeing the world through his eyes. And I liked the touches of his sort of, grandparents, but it, it felt very slow and I felt it needed to mm. move on. And there was a lovely sort of setting. I couldn't really sort of imagine myself there. But I just thought it was, perhaps, I just wondered what was going to grab that young reader to want to yeah. keep going. Yeah. And I think fantasy is really hard as well because you have to build that world. And so the world building actually, it didn't seem like, it didn't seem a terribly different world to the one that we live in. Obviously, there was a bit the end of the town and the hill folk, but um, it felt like it was almost too similar to our world. I was wanting to know what was, what was you know, give us the difference, give us the point of yeah. difference, the fantasy. Yeah. Um, didn't
0: uh, let me ask you about the title. Um, a number of people have commented on the title. What did you think?
2: I quite like the title, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the sea. I mean, it does remind me about Jane Aiken book, Kingsman of the Sea, but um, yes, yeah, I quite like it. It doesn't say an enormous amount, but I um,
0: I liked it. Yeah, okay. And this is the thing, isn't it, Ali, really? it's. I, get, I mean, it's got to be YA-ish, but I mean, I'm picking on a couple of sentences here. It was like growing some profound plant. What sort of profound plants? I'm I just kind of You know, I feel uh, Unclear about that the stronger the boy became the more assuredly she was connected to him. assuredly. It's, it's not a Y.A. word really um, what do you think?
3: Um, Yeah, I I just, I felt the whole thing was extraordinarily slow. And I mean, in in the entire piece, the entire 700 words, a boy walked home and his grandfather read a few words to him. You know, we we were given enormous amounts about, you know, the weather, about the circumstances. In the first sentence, there were two adjectives describing, you know, every noun. I I can't remember them quite now, but he was a brown-haired boy in a long, thin ridge or, you know, and literally the cadence, it was just very strange. And certainly profound plant means absolutely nothing to me as an adult, I don't know what a profound plant no. is. <laughs> um, but yeah. I mean, there were a couple of things, you know, that you thought this could, we could follow through with the grandmother being Mm. attached by the boy to both the Mm. living and the dead. And there's a kind of, ooh, a spooky thing in the back of your head saying, connected to the dead. Ah, you know, where's this going? But it wasn't strong enough to give a kind of feel. You know, are we going to go somewhere with that? Does he actually have strange powers or you know, can he speak to the dead or whatever? Um, There are a few nice touches like the the windows being um, uh, windowed with thin sheets of stretched vellum. You know, I thought that was just a nice sort of touch that gave a quite a a good picture as it were but i I think it was a flabby piece it needs it needs to be
0: flabby my god that's hard words here Alan. (laughs) (laughs) oh my god are you feeling dyspeptic at all (laughs) (laughs) Uh Um, (laughs) i'm I'm going to go out on a limb and i think that actually i I do detect an interesting voice here and i do i do think there's there's some uh, potentially great writing actually but i'm not invested I'm really not an investor, and that's the thing, um, as, as Bella pointed out. I mean, I've got to really want to get into this, and our protagonist, obviously, is the, is, is the way in that most people use, and I'm not really investing in that. Um, but I love the concept, and, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I've given you quite a high um um TE on the, on the craft, um, but not really on the commercial potential. Let's see how the number's are looking. You got a 55 all round. Kind of divided people a little bit there. Uh, Ali really liked the blurb, didn't you, Ali? Uh,
3: Yeah, no, I thought there was quite a lot of potential in that.
0: Yeah, 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 fair enough. Good. All right, 59. Let's look at the numbers before the very last submission. All right, so it's you, Darius. You're way out ahead. Is that going to be the case in a moment? We'll find out. Here we go. Bode the Brave. I think I've said that properly. Is it Bode? Well, it it's probably Bode. Bode the Brave. Middle Grade Historical Adventure by Ben. And this is Ben's blurb. Bode is a simple Saxon farm boy. Or was right up until a bunch of fearsome Vikings crashed into his life and changed everything made a hostage and threatened with losing his head, Bode has no choice but to escape and embark on a journey that will take him from the dirt and muck-filled streets of Winchester – yeah, it's horrible down there, isn't it – through royal palaces, wet marshes, and finally to a gory and grisly battlefield where King Alfred, helped out by our brave, if somewhat clumsy, hero, is the last hope of the Saxons. All right, I don't know how that worked out. But anyway, let me tell you about Ben. Um, history has been a passion since childhood, says Ben. I love the people, the places and the stories, and have always found historical fiction to be a great way of exploring the foreign country that is the past. Nicely put. I'm a serving officer in the Royal Air Force and have been working on my writing over several years. Morning and evening, on leave, even during operational deployments abroad. Really? <laughs> one hand on the joystick, one on your iPad? Yeah, way to go. Um, <laughs> future book ideas include further boat adventures as well as stories of Tudor spies, Nelsonian sailors and epic ancient Greek heroes. Stalwart stuff, Bannon. we can give you... I'm pleased to say a stalwart reading here from Leg.
5: Bode the Brave by Ben Dimmett. Read by the thing monsters in the closet are afraid of. Chapter 1. Bad men with bushy beards. The Vikings were a fearsome bunch. They came by sea with mighty axes and razor-sharp swords. Raided and stole pillaged and plundered. Chopped off heads, legs, and much more besides, they were terrifying to any sensible Saxon, which was exactly why Bode's dad used them to frighten him. But Bode knew his dad's stories were a load of rubbish. Vikings hadn't been seen near the village of Redcliffe for ages, not in all Bode's ten years, in fact. Besides, the nearby town of Wareham had big wooden walls and was guarded by Saxon soldiers with long, pointy spears so Bode reckoned he was perfectly safe from marauding men with terrifying tattoos on their faces. He even suspected that the bit about tattoos, big blue and green splodges all over arms, legs, chests, and even bottoms, was made up. Just like the tall tales of how the Vikings would come to take him away, a big lie designed to scare him into behaving. When those Vikings get hold of you, son, you'll soon see how easy you've got life, Dad had said that very morning. Now help me pick some berries. But Bode didn't enjoy picking berries. As the prickly bushes they grew on had a nasty habit of leaving him with cuts and scratches all over. So he was hiding, in a pig's pen. Oink! Shush! Bode was not shushing in person, but rather Bertha, a great big, nicely fattened, and tasty looking pig, worried that her constant oinking might give him away. Oink! Shush, Bertha! It occurred to Bode that perhaps the fattened pig's pen hadn't been the best place to hide after all, even though he had covered himself from head to toe and mud to disguise himself. Though from the smell, it wasn't just mud, but something else brown, too. Horrid pig's muck. Poo. He wrinkled his nose. Ugh. Bode, Dad called out. Bode, where are you? Committed to avoiding cuts and scratches, Bode took a deep breath and buried his face in the mud. And the other stuff. The smelly stuff, too. He tried not to breathe, worried the foul smell would make him choke and give himself away. Oink! More noise from Bertha. Louder, like she was taunting him. Worse soon followed. Plop, plop, plop. With fresh poo in the pen, the stench finally became too much. Bode lifted his head, coughing and spluttering in a desperate attempt to suck in clean air. But the muck was all over his face, and there was no escaping it. Then he noticed his dad standing at the edge of the pen, laughing. The lengths you'll go to, son, just to avoid a bit of work. (laughs) Bode sat up, crossed his arms, and put on his best grumpy face. You're like St. Martin, given away by cackling geese, Dad said. Except you were given away by the oinking of a smelly pig. And you're not a humble priest who didn't fancy being made a bishop, like old St. Martin was. You're just a lazy little boy who won't do what he's told. Bode stared at the ground, concentrated hard on scrunching his face into a grumpy frown. He wasn't lazy. He just didn't want to cut himself on the thorns, which, if you asked him, was quite sensible. Go wash all that smelly muck off you, Dad said. Then come and help me pick the berries like I asked. With that, he walked away, tutting. Thanks, Bertha, Bode said sarcastically. Oink, replied the pig happily, like she didn't much care that she had given him away, then rolled in her mucky mud. Oink, oink, oink. She was in her happy place. Disgusting, Bode muttered as he climbed out of the pen. Stinking badly enough to make himself feel a little sick, he hurried down to the river. He was so keen to wash that, despite the cold, he hurled himself into the water. The river Froome was great to swim in over long, lazy summers. Not so much on a cold and damp autumnal day. Bode scraped the mud from his face, arms, and legs. Scraped the not-mud off, too. He felt cold, but much cleaner. And much less smelly. Washed, he realized he couldn't avoid picking berries any longer. Best get to it. Sooner I start, sooner I finish. But then, everything changed. Vikings! Vikings are coming!
0: um uh, spoiled sports that they are vikings again <gasps> dear uh great reading uh, from uh, the voice formerly known many lifetimes ago as lex and even better oinking i think can we agree on that great oinking thank you lex let's see what the Genie eye is saying um Pamela says, okay, got the point about the poo. Seems too young for it is it was a bit labored that the, the poo stuff. Had quite a lot of poo today, actually. Um yeah, it does. Annie says, doesn't really match the blurb. James says, oh no, need to start with the bad Vikings invading or something. Yeah, probably do actually. Hannah likes the writing. Six to eight-year-olds would love this, but a bit young, I think, for middle grade. Eva says writing's good. Uh, and Lex, our narrator, Juju, says the hardest part about reading this was having to shape shift back and forth between humanoid and porcine forms on the fly. I was winded. Got to, got to get back into shape. I think you did that very well. Um, and sorry, says Vagabond, not what I read to my middle grade son. He'd have been bored. Oh dear. What did you think, Ali?
3: Um, well, I don't the idea of starting a book in the middle of a pig pen. You know, I don't think I've had read many books where a child is standing in a pig pen. Um, and I quite like the, the there were certain very human things about it. You know, the fact that he didn't want to do the work and he was hiding from his dad, and I don't know the dad using stories to frighten him, etc. So there was there was quite a few bits of sort of father son relationship that did actually ring true. Um, and I thought the kids probably would be keen on the whole pig poo thing. Um, quite a lot of stuff that was incongruous. You know, he buried his face in the mud and then hold his breath. I mean, you know, if you get your face in the mud, you, you know, you're gonna be holding your breath. Um, an awful lot of exclamation marks. I don't know how many there were, but you know, I mean, two in 700 would have been more than enough. And it's it's almost a sign are of basic i Are an exclamation
0: I mark? <laughs> uh, I'm a fundamentalist, are you? Uh, Absolutely, uh, yes, uh, Publishing no, is uh, full don't. of people like that. I came into publishing from advertising where, you, you know, you can't you can't write a, a sentence with a screamer on the end, but no, people people are prejudiced yeah, against screamers in publishing. Yeah. Mm.
3: Um, there's also an awful lot of telling. I mean, even at the end, you know that bit about then everything changed. The Vikings are coming. Well, you know the next sentence tells us that everything's changed. In you know, one minute he was you know in a stream, and the next thing his village is being attacked. So yeah. I think there's quite a lot that could have been could have been cut cut out, as it were. I did have yeah. an amount of empathy with the main character. I wasn't really completely invested, but I did feel. An amount of sympathy for him um, yeah so um, you know it's I, a bit, I a bit to slightly where he was coming from
0: mm. we've had quite a lot of poo today and it's it's we a bit, a lot <laughs> it's it's a bit of a sort of cheap trick isn't it for adults to do that because they they know yeah. it's going to get a sort of pavlovian reaction maybe maybe just work a bit harder on that what did you think please bella
2: yeah I agreed with Ali I mean I think that the entire sort of first scene I I enjoyed it but it was way way too long and we could have cut that down and had more more of the sort of um, you know you could almost have had more of Dad you know threatening him with the Vikings and and less of do and less of the mud and less of him going you know having to go down and get in this cold river and all those things that are quite obvious in the description and um, in the showing uh, if you sort of tightened it and maybe cut it by half, I'd say. But I did like the characters, as Ali said okay. as well. There is this yeah. charmed as well and I wanted to, you know, what's going to happen next? I mean, obviously, we'll find yeah. out. But, um, and you've given the
0: writing craft itself quite high marks too, so you, you, quite, yeah, you like that. Yeah, I, I
2: enjoy that. Yeah. It really needs to just be Yeah.
0: Cut yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Well, now, this is the, the moment we look and keep our fingers crossed for everybody and... Looks like you've got a 61. Give it just a few seconds for uh, latecomers in the genius room to vote. Um, But it looks like you're going to be around about a 61. Meaning, of course... Well, let's let's look at the scorecard. Yeah, look at that. 64. You're still there, Darius. Pause the pass. 1066. 25-year-old Darius. What does that mean? It means quite... Quite a significant thing, actually. And you won the show, mate. Not bad going. Congratulations, Darius. Don't know if you're gonna end up the um, the monthly winner. Sixty-four is a good score. It's not the very best you can get three more shows three more shows this month and we'll find out but well done everybody today totally enjoyed the show completely brought out my inner child let's just go back finally to to bella on that link there that's that's good for another five days until next this time next sunday basically book.lutopia.com one time sharon creech it's it's a guppy book it comes from bella it's gotta be brilliant book.lutopia.com yeah thanks bella thanks for coming on thanks ali thanks everyone behind the mm-hmm. scenes let's see you all same time next week Hit it. i
2: hope you're ready for what's coming now
6: down,
4: okay, now, are you ready? ready, ready.